One of the qualities of an intelligent person, of a chacham, of a wise person, one of the ways to know that somebody is a chacham, if he's makris mekaymer, if he knows his place, a makris mekaymer, somebody that knows his place. There are many ways to understand what that means, to know his place, to know an intelligent person doesn't go where he's not wanted. He understands that this is not some place where he belongs. He's Marcus McCoyma. He knows his place. He doesn't rush to sit in the wrong seat. He doesn't crash somebody else's party. He's Marcus McCoyma. The Rebbe teaches us a whole new way of understanding this. But Marcus McCoyme, he says, he's Magdi what this means. He tells us what does this really mean, Hamakris Mekayma. Have you Isa Ukoil Ba'ilam? The Rebbe is commanding us. He's telling us that the meaning of Hamakris Mekayma, that, that really Hashem's Baruch is, is talking to each and every one of us and telling us that you should do something. You should contribute. Do something. Contribute to the world. Not just to contribute, but the best that you have. Give the best of yourself, the Rabbi says, to the world. In such a way, that your place will always be felt in the world. That your place will always be felt. That your actions, your life is so valuable, makes such a difference that your place in this world is recognized. Your place will always be felt. Ki'im he says, you know, Avmarvinu, when he was sitting on that day outside the tent, so Avmarvinu wasn't thinking, I can't wait till they write this up in the Torah. There's going to be a big write-up in the Chumash. They're going to name a parasha after this. And when Rus was standing that day and she had to make a decision whether to remain, whether to remain with, with Naomi or whether to return to her home, Rus never ever imagined, Rus never imagined that it's going to say one day in the Megillah, Bashar, tell Chiyelech, where you go, I will go, and so on, that that would be able to strengthen every single Jew who wasn't sure he belonged and even a person who wants to convert to be able to feel that there's a place for him in Klai Yisrael. You know, Bekitzer, <clears throat> she never thought that by what she was doing she was making a mockum. She was creating a place. She was leaving a mark in the world. Neither did Avmavini Yitzhak and Yaakov that they were to leave a mark in the world, to make a place in the world. He says, <clears throat> but look, all these Mekoymas, all these places of the Ovis and the Neviim and the Tzadikim, they're recognized in the world. When a Jew, when a Jew hears something, he hears Lashon Hara, so he thinks that the Chavetz Chaim wouldn't approve of this. Besides Hashem, maybe it's even harder to think that Hashem is, baruch, is listening. But the Chavetz Chaim wouldn't approve of this. The Chavetz Chaim left a mockum in the world. He, the Chavetz Chaim left a mark on the world. And the Rebbe says, and how the world, and how empty would the world be? How empty and how meaningless would the world be? 
if the Balshemtiv Akadish hadn't been here. Look what a rush and look what a mark the Balshemtiv Akadish left in the world. That if at the end of time, at a time of unbelievable has the of darkness, of concealment, that a Jew is able to experience from his place such simchan of Hashem, despite the fact that he is not a Tamakacham perhaps, and despite the fact that he is covered from head to with a various Khalila, that he is able still to connect to Hashem, what would it have been if the Balshantif HaKadosh wouldn't have been in the world? The Hamakir, so the Rebbe says that this is a a poel yotzei. This person who's the makir, by virtue of his actions, he's causing this to happen. That he leaves a roshim, a mark in the world that others will feel his presence. And when, when he's here, and when he leaves the world, there will be a terrible emptiness. Just like when Yaakov Avinu left the place. So Rashi brings down Vayetze Yaakov, Yitzhiyah Tzadik, Menamokim Aizeroshim, that when a Tzadik leaves a place, that when a Tzadik leaves somewhere, it creates a vacuum, it creates an emptiness. Yitzhiyah Tzadik, Menamokim Aizeroshim, it creates an emptiness when a Tzadik goes. And how is it with every one of us when we leave a place? Does it leave a vacuum? <clears throat> when we're in a place, when we live our lives, do we create a strong roshim, a strong mark of our presence, something unusual, something different, something special? And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be something that, that, that is written up in the newspapers. Again, it should be clear that the Rebbe's kavan, his intention here, is not that a person should seek publicity. The Rebbe despised that. It's not, it has nothing to do with being concerned that others should recognize who I was. That's not the point here. What he's saying is that your life should be so meaningful that your life, whatever you're doing in life, that you're about chesed, that you do this, you do that, you, but your life should be so meaningful that, you're, that, <clears throat> that the etzim achayim, that your actual life creates a strong ratio. Not because you're thinking, just like Rus wasn't thinking about that. And just like Avramovina wasn't thinking about that. But the Metzius of their lives, the reality of their lives was so strong, was so important, that it created that Rosham in existence. And that you and I are still benefiting from that today. So, that's what it means to be Hamakiris Makaimai. To be somebody who causes your place to be felt and to leave a Roshim in the world. <clears throat> to make a difference in, it could be in a few people, in the lives of a few people. He's not talking about, uh, most people, he's not talking about affecting, affecting uh, thousands of people, the whole Jewish people. In your small world, in your circle of friends and family, that your presence your presence lifted people up. It made things better. It made things different for people. That's the meaning of being Marcus Mekayimcha. Yud Gimel. Betach Shamata or Reisa Besvarim al Metzias Elokis. He says, certainly you've read some Svarim that are busy proving God's existence. There, there are books that, that I mean, from the Kadmon, from the Rishonim, <coughs> Reb Sadigon, Amunus Vedayas, the Meinavuchim, the Mechamis Hashem, Svarim that, are, that, that have in them proofs for Hashem's existence, even now, books that try to scientifically prove God's existence in an abstract way, using using logic, statistics, philosophy, history to prove God's existence. He says, certainly you, you've heard of these books or you've seen them. And you know what they're for? He says, These are for those people who have weak faith. And the Hasidim despise these books. 
not God forbid, I don't I shouldn't say despise the Psadi Gon of the Rama, despise these despise the need for these proofs. They under certainly certainly we're aware and everybody understands that in different times of history there were different challenges. And therefore the Rambam was responding to the challenge uh, that was being presented by the Muslim philosophers in the place where he lived. And the same thing with Reb Sadiqan, there's no question. And since in the secular world logic and philosophy was being had taken over the lives of the people, so too the Jews were affected by that. And the tzaddikim had to respond. So they wrote Sifrei Hakira, they wrote books of philosophy and logic, mathematical formulas to prove that there's a God. But ever since the ever since the Ariya Kodesh is in the world, and the Balsham Kodesh is in the world, so it's not necessary. For people who have weak faith, the and the main rai is the main proofs that these philosophers, the main proofs that they cite that they bring are from are from the physical world. We also from creation, how the world was created. It had to be that the it had to be that it, that it, creation came from a state of nothingness, and even the scientists concede that they can't figure out. They can't figure out how there existed some chaymer, some sublime material for creation, that there could be a Big Bang. Even those who, even those who accept the theory of a Big Bang, that there was some sort of a primordial soup, and that the, and that there was a reaction that took place as a result of the meeting of these molecules. Where did these molecules come from? So the person who's comforted by the thought. That the molecules must have come from some place, the Rebbe says, Rahmanis on such a person. If that's what gets you up in the morning to, to, to go to shul, that's a big Rahmanis. That the molecules had a reunion at the beginning of time. And if you have to read these books, and if you have to, and if you have to uh, attend these seminars, so the Rebbe says, Rahmanis. He says, from creation, to show the great wisdom of Hashem. Look how, look how everything in the world is so perfect and everything so beautiful, as we see in all the philosophy books, all the books of Chakira and the Kadmainim, and the Tzadikim, the Tzadikim, the Chavis is right, the ink being spilled, how could it be that the ink would just spill in, in, in such a way where we'd write out your exact name, it's not possible, so you look at creation, the perfection of the creation, And if you need these proofs from the world, if you need these proofs in order to, in order to believe in Hashem, this is Isn't it enough for you? Don't you see yourself? Don't you hear and don't you see with your own soul? Don't you see? That your own soul is completely certain. Your own soul, that your neshama sees Hashem mamish. Why do you have, why do you have to look through these books for what somebody else felt? Of what's, uh, 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 and to be able to make a cheshman that if this formula comes out, then, then God exists. And if Khalila somebody comes along and says it and shows you that the formula is not such a good formula, like the tzaddikim said, all of those proofs that you see in the Rishonim. The emesis, all those proofs, you could prove Fakir. You could, you could work, you could go against those proofs. Really? They're not, they're not so strong. You could say, any, any scientist could come up with the different Fakirs. Different Fakirs. And then what happens, your whole Amunah was depending upon Yanemus Fakira, on this investigation, this, this, this scientific inquiry. And some wonderful Khashiva Orthodox scientists have come out with books over the years, which are good, which of course are important, because there are people who are, there are Jews who are outside of our little world and they can't even begin to listen. They can't begin to hear unless you impress them with something like this. 
But that's the beginning. But if their amuna depends upon that, and it, and and their amuna develops based upon scientific evidence, so then there's very little there's very little that will keep them as Jews who put on thousand film. Although it might help to initiate that relationship with Hashem, or it might help to to uh, it might it might help to to make a person interested in in religion. But it doesn't sustain religious belief. It doesn't. And those people who that's their entire that their entire religion is based upon these proofs. Kaidum call it's not much. It's not much of a god to dive into to begin with. And Bayes, it really is difficult to sustain an amuna with a neshama where your neshama, your soul, is not sensing God's presence. So that's the Rebbe saying. Didn't you hear? Doesn't your own soul see? When a Jew davens, he speaks to Hashem directly. He doesn't speak to Hashem with a calculator. He doesn't speak to him with a computer. He says, Atta Hashem. Baruch Atta Hashem. You have to prove that your father exists, that your mother exists, that your friend exists. Baruch Atta Hashem. You're talking to him. Now, the person who's purely logical and scientific would look at this and he wouldn't be able to stop laughing, right? And the Rebbe would say, Nebuchadnezzar too. And, he, and he's saying, and, and therefore, the scientists would say, prove that the one you're speaking to is God. When you say, Baruch Hashem, what evidence do you have that there's any God that's, that's with you, that you're talking to? But the Rebbe laughs at that. Atta Hashem. That's what you're saying. When you're davening and when you're longing and craving for Hashem. The MS is that the Neshama of a Jew, the Neshama of a Jew is able to see God standing before him. And when a Jew, when the neshama cries out in pain, when a person's afraid, when God forbid a person isn't well, something is frightening him, and the person calls out, I'm not afraid of evil. I'm not afraid of what's happening of this darkness. You know why? Because you are with me. And if when, if when you're saying to Hillam, those words, you are with me, means that it's time to take out your ruler and your, and your blackboard and your chalk and to say, uh-oh, what does it mean you are with me? And then you go through some hashbayinus and you say, there it is, God is with me. That's not going to help you when you feel broken. That's not going to help you when you feel lost. It's not going to make a difference. I once mentioned years ago there's a great Lahavdal, there was a great poet who wrote a poem called The Learned Astronomer. It's an unbelievable poem called The Learned Astronomer. And the poem is about somebody who's sitting in a lecture, in a huge lecture hall, and the and the there's a professor they can barely see. And the professor's writing all kinds of formulas on the blackboard about the uh, about the universe. And the student who was there is writing how it came to a point where he couldn't bear being in the class anymore. And he ran outside, it was at night, and looked up in perfect wonder at the stars. He looked up in perfect wonder at the stars. He couldn't bear anymore the universe being portrayed, being described in equations on a blackboard. So he ran out to the Bernie Shalom's world and he looked up in perfect wonder at the stars to see with his own eyes. So Rebbe saying, Oy vavoy. Oy vavoy, if your amuna is, is a blackboard, is a lecture room, Oy vavoy. what kind of davening, what kind of learning, what kind of mitzvahs, <coughs> if that's your amuna. But the Jew has within him a chelik imal, a piece of the Bernie Shalom kivyachal. And the amuna, the faith of a Jew, comes from within himself, not from outside oneself. It comes from within oneself. She says, When a Jew calls out, 
I'm not afraid of anything. Why? Because Hashem, you are with me. At that moment, it's as if he's grabbing on, his soul is holding on to the throne of Hashem's glory. And then that soul will be healed by the knowledge that, he, that she's holding on to the Kisei HaKavit. And when this Jew is crying and pouring out his heart, when the Nisham is pouring out her heart, Hashem, Emeris, she says, Ona Hashem, please I beg you, Hashem, Karveini Eilecha, bring me near to you, bring me close to you. Karveini Eilecha uvatelas atzmi amahusi b'cha, and help me surrender my very being to you. Kitshukosi Eilecha gidoyla, because my longing for you is great. It's not going to happen on a blackboard. It's not going to happen in a book. A miata, the Rebbe says, and now, why are you seeking abstract proofs that are outside of yourself for God's existence? Why are you reading and looking and searching for proofs outside of yourself, outside of your own, outside of your own reality? <coughs> Because your soul is so certain. When it sees Hashem, it's so clear. The whole parsha of the miraglim of the spies and the failure of the spies and the Jewish people to live with the words of Hashem Isbarach who said that Eretz was a good place <coughs> and, and the need of the need to see the place that Hashem said was good. To, to spy out the land when the Baruch Hashem said it's good. When in truth, Eretz Yisrael is within a Jew himself. And instead of having to, instead of having to, to take that, to go on that fact-finding mission, instead of going on that mission to search for Eretz Yisrael outside of oneself, one can find Eretz Yisrael within oneself. And to know what it is in that place of Amuna. Practically speaking, as the Ramban discusses, maybe we'll learn that Ramban at the beginning of the parasha, it's certainly okay to try to figure out the best way to conquer the land. The Barishim had no problems with that. And that's the way, if people who are coming to conquer, to look for the best place to come in and how to go and what to do, that's okay. <clears throat> but when but when Jews are going to see the land in order to figure out whether or not we should go. That's already a different opinion. Then it means you're looking for proofs. And if Hashem is Baruch said, and if Hashem said it's a good place, Hashem said He's going to give it to us. So, if your soul would be certain and your moon would be strong, it wouldn't be necessary for you to have proofs that the land is conquerable. And when a person, when a person's amuna is not intact, so that the conclusion is always going to be that it's not conquerable, then you can't. You can't. You can't do it. There isn't enough evidence. And all of us are still suffering from the sin of the spies. All of us are still suffering. Our hesitations and our difficulties to this day to get there to Israel, to return. It's all from the Chaita Miraglam. And the fears that people have nowadays, and I was talking to one of my friends who runs a, who runs a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael for Americans, that he has one-third of the Chevra coming. Normally, normally he, he, he struggles. This friend of mine, he doesn't know what to do to turn boys away. Because there's so many guys that want to come to the yeshiva, and now he says he doesn't know what to do. He's thinking he's going to have to get another job. He'll have to have the yeshiva and to work someplace also, to do some other work. Because we still believe the Miraglim and not Yeshua and Kalev. I know that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy because Yushalayim is dangerous. So how could somebody go to Yushalayim? And it's a difficult thing to talk about because you don't want to give advice. Someone else is putting a child at risk, Khalila, and their own children. But if you think about it, this weakness still comes from the Chaita Miraglim. I believe it. I mean, I may disagree with me. 
I believe it comes from the, I believe it still comes from that same place. That we don't believe in Eretz and we don't believe in Hashem's promise that it belongs to us. We'll talk more about this on Shabbos because if we did believe it, there wouldn't be one Arab left in the whole place. There wouldn't be one left in the whole country. And those Jews who believed in that were mocked and laughed at. And one of them was assassinated. And Shlomo HaMelech Shlomo HaMelech proclaimed Chochmas Bachutz Taroyna You know Shlomo HaMelech was if anybody could give a critique of logic and philosophy it was Shlomo HaMelech In other words if one of us said like ah that stuff is worthless so then any philosopher would say oh look who's talking what do you know about our Malachi Shlomo HaMelech Shlomo HaMelech certainly understood that Malachi of logic of philosophy. And he didn't have kind words for it. Huh? I don't, I don't hear. Machriz means to proclaim. Hachroza. Chayv lahachriz. Enlumitzir shalom elu chayv lahachriz. To call out. So Shlomo called out and he said, Chochmas b'chuz taroyna. Wisdom. Chochmas. B'chuz taroyna. They're standing outside on the street. That's where, they, that's where they're making their noise. Chochmas b'chutz tarayna. Chochmas are on the street. It's not inside the person. The whole Sefer Kahala, Shlomo Melech had it with Chochmas, right? The whole Sefer Kahala, Shlomo Melech says, ah. he says, I, I went into all that stuff. I majored in all those things. There's nobody in the world that acquired more Chochmas than me, Shlomo Melech says. And I'm telling you, Saif Dover, Hakol Nishma, as a lakim yireves mitzvayim shemak yizekol adam, because I'm telling you, chachmas b'chutz tereina. It's all outside the Jew. It's not inside of you. Chachmas b'chutz tereina. Me pesi yoser hein lechasar leiv v'armulo. The one he calls the person whose who, whose life depends upon these chachmas, this uh, this logic and wisdom, Shlom Hamelach, the wisest of all men, said he's, that this person is a fool. Me pesi yoser heina, who goes for these things. He says chasar leiv. He's missing his heart. Chasar leiv. Empty-hearted. This person is empty-hearted. Mishet sarach lechachmas chutz. That's why you know that the kadmonim that they called philosophy and these other subjects chachmas what chitzoniyos, right? External wisdom. Chachmas chitzainiyas. Only the Torah is pnimiyas a chachmas. And all of these other chachmas are chachmas chitzainiyas. And even the Rambam. Who was as great as the Rambam in his knowledge of chachmas, of these chachmas? So all the universities, and all the secular universities, and all the Jewish secular philosophers who admired the Rambam as their hero, they admired the Rambam was the hero of all these, of the intelligentsia. But you know something? They never read the third chilek of the Maranavuchim. The third section of the Maranavuchim. They never get that far. Because those people never get past the first chilek. Sometimes to the second chilek, but they never make it to the third chilek. And they never talk about the third chilek. And if you go to the library, go to the section on Maimonides. There are hundreds of books on Maimonides. And, the, and look inside and try to find one place anywhere where they'll quote the third section of the Maranavuchim. Nowhere. Nowhere. Because you know what the Rambam says in the third chilek? He says, all of these chachmas, all of these proofs, all these things I was talking about until now, if it does something for you, and if you're troubled, if you're, if you're perplexed, so I'm hoping that this will give you some guidelines to come back. But the Rambam says not third chelik. But the bottom line is, the emesis. You could chuck all of this. That's what he says. Look, not in those exact words. Pretty much. He says the reason that we're Jews is because is because we, we're the children, we're the descendants of Nevi'im, we're prophets. And Moshe Rabbeinu told us, and we believe in him. Gemara. Look at the end of the Rambam. And look at the beginning of the Mishnah Torah. He wrote the Maranavuchim for the people of weak faith that the, that the Rebbe is talking about. 
to help them to find their way at this back. But then they'll come to shul. Okay, the proofs, maybe in those days they needed the proofs to get back to shul. So they, but then they come to shul, so then, you know, you have a, you have a nice, you have a, a good baltfiller, and there's a good ticket, a little schnapps, and some herring afterwards. That's why you're a Jew. <coughs> the rest of this stuff, the Rabbi Moses says, all chitzayinis. It's all for people with weak faith. That's not, that wasn't the amun of the Rambam. These professors would have you think that that was the Rambam. But that wasn't the Rambam. The Rambam, the real Rambam was the third chilek. The real Rambam was the one who wrote the letters. The Igeris, the letter to Taiman. The Igeris of Tchis Mason. You look at the letters of the Rambam. What a tzaddik, what a rebbe. What a kaddish, what a holy Jew he was. When he wrote the letters to the communities and he saved, he saved the entire Yiddishkeit. The Rambam saved the whole Yiddishkeit. Look at the letters and tell me if you find in those letters any proofs of God's existence. Not one. The Rambam is calling out, this is my brothers, but Tyra Brida, my holy and precious brothers. Children of prophets. <clears throat> he speaks there about strengthening Emunah. And about bringing up the children with simple faith and tefillahs and davening and the Rambam. But none of the professors ever bring those Rambams. Because the, because the real God of the Rambam makes these guys nervous. Because the real God of the Rambam says that they have to put on tefillah. But their God, that they found in their reading of the Rambam, says that you just have to write a new thesis about something. <clears throat> you have to maybe have a, a, a gathering of professors to make a Maimonides uh, convention, which they did, by the way, a couple of years ago. They made a big Maimonides convention. Do you think that's what the Rambam wanted? To have a bunch of professors having a convention and eating tray for lunch? If that's what the Rambam wanted, it's, it's, it's the whole thing is. Because why? These, these people, they don't see the Rambam with their neshamas. They just don't see the Rambam with their neshamas. He says, Whoever needs these chachmas from outside, to bring proofs for God outside of himself, from the world and so on, he says he's a fool and he's empty-hearted. Because if he had a heart, he would see and know with absolute certainty from his own heart. He wouldn't need any chachmas outside of his heart. He would experience God. He wouldn't, need, he wouldn't have to look for Him. He would experience Hashem. This is the God of the Kuzri, of Rabbi Yehuda Levi. This is the God of the Maharal. This is the God of the Baal Shem Tev HaKadosh, of the Arizal. The God of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He wouldn't have to go to those places. You know, we once learned years ago that there was a... There was once a, a discussion that took place between the Yidak Kadosh and the Rabbi Abunim. The Rabbi and his, and his Talmud. The Yid was the Rebbe, and the Rebbe Bunim was his great disciple. <coughs> and the Yid HaKadosh asked the Rebbe Bunim, he says, where do you, from where do you take your Amuna? From where do you take your faith? Where does it come from? So the Rebbe Bunim said, from the Welt. In other words, like the Rambam says, when you look at the world and you see its splendor and its glory, you stand back in absolute awe at the one who created the world and so on. The Rebbe Buna began to quote that Rambam. He takes it from Isabracious, from creation. <clears throat> and the Yudakadah said, I take it from Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, from when we left Egypt. Everybody knows that the Rishonim asked, Rabbi Yudah Levi discusses this, Ibn Ezra, that when Hashem gave us the Torah, He didn't say, I am Hashem who created heaven and earth. He didn't say that. It's interesting. Hashem Isbroch didn't take out, Hashem Isbroch didn't, didn't discuss the Big Bang. I am Hashem, your God, 
who made the Big Bang. He didn't say that. He said, I took you out of Egypt. You experienced that. And Levi said, because the point here is that the God of creation is someone that you don't know. But the God that took you out of Egypt is the God that you met and that you meet every day of your life, every minute of your life. That's the God of history, of your own personal history. I should say, Sichem Eshetzrayim. So the Yenakada says that I take my Amuna from Anoich Eshetzrayim. The Shem Shmuel explains that the Yenakada is not disagreeing with the Rambam. The Yenakada is not disagreeing with it's not disagreeing with the Rebbe Bunim that one takes faith and Muna from, from creation. About the one takes from creation. But the Rebbe Bunim is, what the Yid was saying is like this. Once the Rebbe Bunim took us out of Mitzrayim and he gave us the Torah, now you have Jewish eyes. You've met Hashem. Now you can look at creation and be inspired. Now you can take a second look at creation and become closer to Hashem. But if you're, if the beginning of your amuna is what? If the beginning of your amuna is scientific, if that's the beginning of your amuna, so the Yiddakot is saying, then you never receive the Torah. That's what the Rebbe is saying here. A Jew who stood at Har Sinai, that's where his amuna begins. The thunder, the lightning, hearing Hashem, sensing His presence, that's where your amuna begins. Afterwards, avad, 100%, once you're, you're a mammon, you're a Jew, you believe in the Baruch Shalom, you have a chelik elokami mal, you have the Baruch Shalom, you have elokus that fills your very being. Now, now, when you look at the world with those eyes of, uh, of a Jew, everywhere you turn, you see Hashem. Like the Baditshva song that the Baditshva had in Yiddish, that beautiful song, Only You Hashem, Dudala, it's called Dudala. I don't know if you know the song Dudala, he has a song Dudala. My beloved, my beloved. I look at the sky, Dudala. I look, I look, I look on the street, Dudala. Everywhere, all I see is, is my Dudala is my beloved. Sure, if you have the bedditch of his eyes. But you know something? If you don't have the bedditch of his eyes, then even when you're looking into those boring books of the philosophers, you don't see the Dudala. You don't see the Banishlam. <clears throat> so even the, so even the, the, the religious philosophers of the Umas Ha'olim, of the Goyim, they missed it because they weren't part of Maimon Hasinai. And for them, these proofs and this evidence of the world becomes crucial to their faith. Becomes crucial to their faith. But for a Jew, the Yid was saying, that the Shalom took us out of Mitzrayim, he gave us the Torah. And I once mentioned here in Shul, how displeased my father Zalgozunzain was when we used to have, you know, now we have just the Seder with the Mishpacha, but it used to be that we had in the early years all different types of Hevra by the Seder, and my parents really weren't too fond of it, but the, you know, not that they don't love Hasnas and they love to have guests, but my parents think that a Seder is, is meant for the family. That's a, they're tzaddik in the Helegatu. Rabbi Nachman Breslau, but not only did he close the doors when it came to the Seder, he also put wood over the uh, pieces of wood over the window because the Chassidim used to try to look in. He used to board up the windows, Pesach, that nobody should look into the Seder that he had with his wife and children. So, so I, I mentioned once in Shul that that so one one time we're sitting by the Seder in the middle of Magid. I know that I already saw that my father wasn't so. This one of the one of the guests was uh, I remember he was a student and. Uh, Brandeis, I remember. He was a, a nice guy. But one of these, like, in, intellectual types. So, um, I, I said, my father didn't have such an appetite for this guy. I could tell, because he didn't say anything, but I just, like, I could see in his face that, you know, every time this guy opened up his, my father had, like, a, like it was like somebody was giving him an injection, you know. So, so then, mitten, you know, in the middle of Magid, it's in the middle of Magid, so this guy pipes up and he says, Rabbi Weinberger, is there any real absolute proof that God even exists? He said this in the middle of, in the middle of Magid. 
So then my father had it. That was it. So my father says, you know, he doesn't say it, but the whole time my father didn't say a word. And then my father said, what do you mean? What do you mean does the Baruch Shalom exist? He says, what do you think we're eating matzah for? Why sure? What do you, what do you, what do you have a crisis? And the Mullah, there's no, what do you mean? And who do you think took us out of Mitzrayim? What are we having a say there? What are you talking about? What's the matter with you? Stop talking like that. That was my father. So you would think, you would think that oh, this means that, 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 that Mr. Weinberg is a simple-minded person. Bechlal not. He's Bechlal not simple. But he couldn't stand it. He just couldn't, he couldn't stand it. He couldn't bear it. The coldness of it, he couldn't take. And my father, of course, understands that there are people that they need to... Uh, but he, can't, he couldn't bear it. Just like, just like he once, I once told you that he said that, that there were these people that, that they said to my father that, my, that, that, that there was... My father was with this, these people that... Uh, Jews that, are, that, were, that were eating pizza on Pesach. And my father was, was my father took out his little package with matzahs. And these Jews said, Mr. Weinberger, weren't you in concentration camp? My father said, Yeah. <clears throat> and you still you still eat matzahs? You still do all that stuff? Even though you were in Mauthausen? So my father said, You mean you mean he says, I, I was in Mauthausen, I'm eating matzahs. You mean that if you were in my house, you wouldn't be having pizza now? What, what are you? What are you? What are you saying? No, I was in my house, and yeah, and I'm able to, and I'm able to eat matzahs after all of this. But what bothers you is that there were Jews that were in my house, and that's why you have to have pizza on Pesach. No, you you don't want to keep mitzvahs, why? Because you can't accept that there was a God who would put some Jews in my house. Therefore, you've rejected that. He said, we don't, we can't, there's other things, we can't believe in a, we can't keep the commandments of a God who, who put you to my father. He says, I was in there, and I'm having masses, right? So don't tell me that if, don't tell me that, that, that your pizza, your matzah depends upon matzah. It's not, a, it's not depending on that. There are other, there are other issues here. Because this is, because, because that, because the Jew, and I remember when I was a child, and I asked my father, my father said, what, there wasn't a Rebbein Shalom in Mauthausen? Those people who wrote books after the Holocaust, God is dead. <clears throat> no, and these were not the people who, who were in concentration camp. These were the people who were looking at it from the outside. Because it, because it's true. Logically, Logically, it doesn't make sense that if God is good and God is loving, based upon my understanding of the world, it doesn't work out that people should be gazed and burned. And nobody would have a taina, God forbid, with any Jew who had to go through that if he's having difficulties with his amunah. I don't think any of us would argue with such a person. But I, the, the people who, who I argue with are the professors who are sitting in their, in their air-conditioned home writing books saying that, that, that because of Auschwitz, God is dead. By then, God was dead long before Auschwitz. There was never a living God. It has nothing to do with the concentration camp. <clears throat> because their God was a God that was never alive. It was never a living God. But the Jewish people, the Jewish people are the children of B'nai Elohim Chaim, of a living God. And Jews, were, and Jews were able to experience that absolute horror and to be able to rebuild lives of Yiddishkeit filled with Amuna. So all of us with our sfakas, our confusion and our doubts go into any stable and you see a Jew with the numbers on his arm. Some old Jew putting on towels and tefillin. And saying a capital to Hillen better than you and I could say it. And then say that because of the evil of, of, of the evil of Auschwitz, we have Sveikis in Aramuna. We have problems with Aramuna. That's where we take Aramuna from. And that's what the Rebbe's saying over here. And once once you have the Mitzias of a Jew in the world, once there's such a thing as a Jew 
who received the Torah in Har Sinai. So then he could look at any place in creation and find God, even even in Auschwitz. And he'll still find God. But the one who didn't receive the Torah, the one who Shlomo called the Chassar Leiv, the empty-hearted person, who's looking for God in books and in formulas, he won't find the Rebbein Shalom not by the Kaisel. Not even by the wall, it's not a living God. Allah has come and become a certainly not in the suffering and the misery and in the Gehenim of Auschwitz, there's no God. But not even in Shul. Not even by the, by the Harabayas will this guy see God. Because he's a Chassar Leiv. And the Jew, ultimately the vision, the eyesight of a Jew comes from the heart, not from the brain. That's where it comes from. And that's what sustains the Jewish people. Because Al-Piseichel, if Al-Piseichel, even our, the greatest anti-Semites understood, even the Vatican, even in the Holocaust, which the Vatican gave its Haskama to, which the Vatican agreed to, so the Pope had his Pope, the Pope's Jews, that there have to be Jews in the world, a couple, not more than a million or two. That's all. The Rebbe says in Yudalim, the Rebbe says, if your Rotson is, if you would like to know whether or not you're becoming, whether or not you're improving, whether or not you're growing as a Jew, you want to measure where you're holding. You want to know, you know, am I better, am I doing better than last year? Perhaps, God forbid. You've gone down over the last year or two. So how do you know this? How do you know this? So the Rebbe says this is the way to know it. Take a look at your inner drive, at your ritzainus, at your will. Take a look at your motivation. What motivates you? What's your rotsam? Hestakel beritzaincha. Now he says a very strange sentence here, which he's going to explain. But really look, he says, Look at your inner drive, your motivation, your resolutions, but, and don't look at your brachas. Now what does he mean by brachas? We normally translate brachas, it means a blessing. Here he says a bracha means a wish. Look at your inner motivation and don't look at what you're wishing. There's a difference between rotzen and a wish. Now, what does that mean? So he explains. Kirak harotzen shoha odom roitzev ha'oyved be'yagiyalavalezadover. Only the will, the drive, the motivation of a person who struggles to come to a certain madrega. He, he works hard. To, when it comes to davening or to learning or to mitzvahs. Rotson nikra. Only that's called rotson. When you have to struggle for something, when you work hard for it, that's called rotson, will and desire. And if it's something that you don't have to work for, even though it's something you would like, it's not called rotson. Rakmin birkas halev. It's like your, what it means. He says here he uses the bracha. It's like your heart is giving you a bracha. What's that? Shemavarich ma'achil atzmo. It's like the person is benching and wishing, giving, wishing for himself lisasha b'zadovah to become enriched by this thing. He explains what this means. He says ha'oni l'moshul a poor man, for instance. Right? A poor person wants to have a parnasa. He wants to have a parnasa. Rotson who? That's not only that he, he wishes to have a parnasa. He would like to have a parnasa. Rotson who? That's a rotson. And what's the raya that it's a rotson? What's the proof it's a rotson? He's, he's running around trying to get jobs. Odd jobs. Sending a resume. Doing this. Doing that. It's a rotson. It's not something he... He just, it's not that he wishes he could have something to eat for himself and his family. He, he's motivated to provide something for his family to eat. 
But now, let's take a look at this poor person. And if all, all of us have sometimes, all of us have been in line somewhere at some point when you to buy a newspaper or to get a soda, and there's somebody in front of you that's buying 50 lottery tickets, some, some, some network of a human being that's buying 50 lottery tickets. She says, I will have since she ate, she she if, if, a, if a poor man wishes he could find thousands of dinarm, thousands of dollars, he says, that's not a rodson. It's just a broch that he gives himself. He says to himself, Yankula, I give you a broch, you should find $10,000. I wish I could find $10,000. That's not called rodson. It's just a wish. It means nothing. It means nothing. Haney says so too. Yeah, he says every Jew, every Jew wants to be a tzaddik. But you know how, you know what that means. What that means is he's wishing like this. He gives himself a bracha. I wish I can close my eyes tonight and I wake up in the morning a chavetz chaim. Something happens. I wake up. I wake up in the morning. Achsam Soifer. Something to be a Talmud Chacham. To be a Talmud Chacham. I wish to be a Talmud Chacham. I wish I could be a Talmud Chacham. So say, yeah, well, you, you know, you got to learn for the next, for the next 50 years, 18 hours a day. And live in poverty. Struggling over, over the swarm. Is there any other way to do this? Maybe have a... We can have a because nowadays you can have philosophy for dummies, history for dummies, chemistry for dummies. So where do you get shas for dummies? <laughs> Give me a book, shas for dummies. Right? Huh? Yeah, to have some sort of, yeah, to put a chip. Don't they have like these chips you can put in their brain? So get me, get me one of those chips I can put in my head. And you remember, you remember that the Vilnagon had a maggot that came? The Vilnagon had a malach, some sort of a maggot that came to him when he was a young man? that would offer him astounding insights into Torah and, the, and what? And the Vilnagon said, I don't want it, I don't want you. The Vilnagon drove the Malach away. I don't want it because any Torah that I don't harbor, if I don't have to struggle, if I don't perspire over this Torah, I don't want it. And the Vilnagon refused the offer. The Bani Shalom offered the Vilnagon the deepest, deepest chachmas of Kabbalah the Goyen his whole life was struggling to find. And, and then the Bani Shalom sent him a Malach and the, and the Goyen sent the Malach away. I don't want that. I'm not interested in that kind of chachmah. That's not my Torah. The sarosa yagi and means that it should be my Torah. So everybody wishes he could be a tzaddik. And if we wish that for ourselves, most of, many of us already don't even wish that for ourselves. But for the children, we wish that they should be tzaddikim. So I had a conversation recently with some with a wonderful husband and wife, wonderful parents. Mamish, I love them. And it turns out that they have a son. So all he wants to do, he's 21 years old. All he wants to do is learn day and night. This boy gets up in the morning, goes to shul. He starts learning at 8.30, 9 o'clock. He doesn't close the svarim until 2, 3 in the morning. He hops some food in the middle. <clears throat> he has the midas of a tzaddik, this kid. He's soft-spoken, he's gentle, he's sensitive, he's real, he's brilliant in learning. And the parents came to talk to me about what should we do with him next year. He's already been in yeshiva for four years. So I, they, you know, the whole discussion, what are we going to do? So I said to them, look, I, I don't know. I heard once, if it ain't, if it ain't broken, why, you know, don't fix it. This is not what they say about the government. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What should you do? I'll tell you what you should do. Give me a bracha for my children. What should you do with them? I told her, I said, get in that, get three jobs. I don't know what you should do with them. Invest. Do something. But you see to it that he should be able to sit in front of his firm for the next, for the next 70 years. That's what you do for a child like that. Halavai, halavai, we should have such children. Elohat. <clears throat> 
so they even mask him. We want. I said, you don't, you don't realize you have, you, 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 this, this boy could be a future of Moshe Feinstein. So don't you want that? A hundred percent we want it. Who wouldn't want to have a Rav Moshe? Who wouldn't be proud to have a Rav Moshe Feinstein? But go find parents now that want to be able to, that, that would facilitate the growth of Rav Moshe Feinstein. 60, 70, 80 years of Rav Moshe Feinstein. And to be satisfied with their, with, their, with their son living in a little apartment on the Lower East Side in FDR Drive. What was it, 455 FDR Drive? A little apartment with hardly any furniture. Not my Yankala. But don't you want to be Rav Moshe? Yeah. I like him to be Rav Moshe, but a different kind of Rav Moshe. That's what's happened to us. This is what's happened to us. So I said, you have a child, Rav Moshe, bless you. Whatever it is, maybe it's your schus, maybe it's schus You have a child like this. He, he, not only does he have the intelligence and the meters, he has the zitz flash. He can sit. He doesn't have to get up and run around. You know, you get these guys, you get the guy you see comes into yeshiva, quarter to ten. Gets a, uh, ten o'clock, he gets a call on his cell phone. He's talking to a stockbroker. Comes back in, ten fifteen, ten twenty. Looks in the Gemara. Fifteen minutes, falls asleep on the standard. 11.30, whoa, wash his nagel again. Looks inside the Gemara for half hour, lunch, goes home, the wife looks at him, his, her little tzaddik, her curly younger man, oh, my tzaddik, have lunch, take a nap for yourself, yeah, I had a rough morning. Yeah, I got up at 8.30, that's not so easy. <clears throat> right, goes back to the afternoon, have a little bit here, a little bit there, no a phone call, a friend of his having a problem, needs an Aitza, Something was wrong with the car yesterday. He's got to take it to the mechanic. But the Bershlom gave you a child that he can sit. He loves to and he wants to and he's not running away from anything. He's on the level. I'm not talking about some, some guy that's buying time somewhere and he's, he's afraid to work. He, he's, he's good. He wants to do it. He can do it. He said, he's going to write Svam, your son. He's going to write Svam. They're going to give the Jewish people Chizik and Torah till the end of time. You don't want those swarm to be in the world. You want to deprive us of those swarm? What do you do for a kid like this? You serve him. You tell him, don't leave the Gemara. I'm bringing, I'm bringing you food to eat. My father told me that when he was in Yeshiva, if it wouldn't have been for, if it wouldn't have been for Hitler and Akshama, my father would have been one of those children. My father said that he was sitting in Yeshiva <coughs> That his mother, my grandmother, Allah Shalom, would bring him to eat to the yeshiva, would run with a hot meal to the yeshiva. They didn't have uh, they didn't have a kitchen in the yeshiva, you know. They didn't have nowadays if they serve the guys if they serve the guys filet mignon, they're gonna have tightness. and they have to send out the doggies, right? I got to worry about my. The, the, uh, uh, how do I support my, my kid's habit? And, you know, he's in yeshiva in, in Queens that the guys, you know, that they're sending out the doggies and they're standing online over there making an order at one in the morning, like how to figure out how am I going to get my, my my blooming onion from doggies at, 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 at one in the morning? So, <laughs> how am I going to manage through the night this long night of gullus without my onions? No. So my grandmother used to bring my father a, a hot meal. And you, you know why? Because she believed with all of her heart that the reason that a Jew exists is to study Torah. That's the reason that a Jew exists. And if you have that Jew that's able to do it and is sitting and learning, then that Jew is a prince that has to be served a hot meal. As a prince. <clears throat> but what would we would like? We, we, we would like to wake up and have a tzaddik. We don't have to send him away, and he doesn't have to do this, and he doesn't have to, and he doesn't have to be deprived of anything. He should have like everybody else has, and he should have all the right degrees, and he should have the right things on his wall, and he should be like everybody else. You have to be so different, so unusual. But I would like you to be a tzaddik. So the Rebbe is saying like this: It's not really a rotsin to be a tzaddik. It's not really a drive, an inner drive and motivation and will, an obsession to be a tzaddik. No. 
It's just a brochus from a very class machine. He'd like to wake up in the morning and be at Sadiq. A person that works hard and he's driven and he gets up and he works, he works, he works, and over the years he accumulates wealth and he invests and he becomes a wealthy man. No. He's going to hold on to that and he'll give it to his children and grandchildren. But the one who just found it or wished he could be rich doesn't mean anything. Why is that Rodson? That's not called Rodson. He would like to be a wish. He would like to be a rich man, but that's it. The Rakim Adrego Matzav Kedusha Shahadim Roitzav Ha'Oyved Lover LaHazer Rodson Bemis. What's Rodson Bemis? Rodson Bemis is when a person works for something step by step, hard work. That's called Rodson. That's what that's what it means to really want it, to really want it. That's Rodson. Lachain therefore Harodson Abilti Amiti. But for that Rodson, which isn't true. Therefore, you'll find when it comes to the Rudson, that's not real Rudson, when it comes to wishing and wanting, it could be so unbelievably great. That's why you wish to be a Chavetz Chaim. But what the Rebbe is saying, you know what, instead of wishing to be a Chavetz Chaim, why don't you wish to learn an extra half hour? These people that are only wishing, they never have small wishes, isn't it amazing? Just like nobody wishes that he's going to win $100 in the lottery when he, when he gives in his, uh, when he takes his, his, puts in his numbers. When he goes to bed at night, he's not thinking, ah, if only, if only I'm going to get those eight bucks, because I have three numbers. He's not thinking like that, because he wouldn't buy it for the eight bucks. It's not worth it. He's wishing, what? For the million, for the ten million. So you see, the people who, have, who don't have real rutsen, they always have big dreams, big wishes, and they're always paupers. The ones with the big dreams and the big wishes. The ones who make it in the world are the ones who get all, roll up their sleeves and get to work. Dollar by dollar. Tysus by tysus. Blot by blot. Ashray by ashray. That's how you become a tzaddik. That's when it's a rotsen, not just a wish. Wishes are always big and unrealistic. The boys come back from yeshiva and they just well, I want to finish Shas in two years. Hey, what are you worried about finishing Shas? Why don't you just learn every day for the right amount of time? Don't worry about when you're going to finish Shas. <clears throat> These are all wishes. These are not retainers. That's what he's saying. Harotzna bilti amiti. It's like It can be always be great. Why? Because it doesn't threaten the guy. Because he knows deep inside of himself that stama wish. So what? I have to be nervous about. I wish to finish shas. That's not going to change my schedule. That's not. A, that's not going to keep me away from my barbecue. <laughs> if I wish to finish shas, that doesn't. That doesn't hold back the barbecue. But if I want to finish Shas, I might have to miss a barbecue. That could be a problem. Because then you have a conflict of interest. So the dreamers always have big dreams. But that's not called Rotson. Because what's the problem? I wish to have a billion dollars. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean I have to work hard. With the guy that's, the guy that's lying there with, with a bottle of liquor someplace on a street he doesn't wish he could have a million dollars I also wishes but he thinks someone's going to pass by and drop it into his cup he wants to be made into a big tzaddik like you know you go into a car wash you want to come out clean you want to be a tzaddik like Cain who wrote in Hamiti and all these parents that are always blaming the yeshivas are blaming the rebellion the rebbe the rebbe the yeshiva the teachers the teachers are no good they're no good they're no good what did you do to create a tzaddik in your house how did you work to make a little tzaddik growing up in your in your house? Did you really work to make a tzaddik? Did you, how much time did you put aside to learn with your kid? Yeah, maybe you didn't have the best rabbi. Maybe the school could have been better. What did you do? She said, I want my kid to be a tamach. Yeah, you want your kid to be a tamach chacham, boba maises. You want to be a tamach chacham? Let's take a walk down memory lane. You were raising a tamach chacham in your house? No, you wanted to raise just a kid that you could play ball with, maybe a little bit of tennis, and mostly just stop, not bother you, so you could do your own thing. And you said the school will make a Tamil Chacham. Let the Rebbe make him into a Tamil Chacham. Oh, send him to his fellow, go somewhere for a year, to come back and be able to say over a few Gemaras, and all my friends will say, Ooh, your kid's a Tamil Chacham. <laughs> right? But not that you should raise a Tamil Chacham. That's too hard. For that, you have to have a Rodson. You have to have a Rodson to raise a Tamil Chacham. 
That's what the Avoid Lamadalik who rocks say. The one who has Rotson, he doesn't, he doesn't jump over mountains. He doesn't skip. He goes gradually, step by step. So, aid, he marches step by step towards having a Talmud Chacham. So, aid, Sad, Al Matzev, Avoid, Yosem, up to a higher level. He makes decisions and he's machlit to go further, to add every day more and more. Therefore, his rotten is realistic, according to the matzah that he's in. Another, another tesis, another blad gemara. Not shas, not this, not that. One more, one more. In cotton, who even though right now it's small, in the beginning it's a little bit of a rotten in the beginning. It's a little bit of progress. Therefore, in the beginning he has only a small rotten. As he gets greater and he works more, then his rotsin becomes greater. Maybe Shas begins to be a possibility over the years. Therefore, if you want to test yourself to know where you're holding, to know, to measure your matzav in life, now look at your rotsin. What did you really want a year or two ago? What do you really want now? In Shavim Haim? If it's at least the same, oh what? His tereiv and his gadlevitz and chore developed and was growing to a stronger rotsin. Zeha ayis shagam ata baruch Hashem alisa. Then it's a sign that baruch Hashem, you are a greater Jew than you were a year or two ago. Okay. Well, let's stop.